So today, it's a pleasure being here again to do another segment. And uh, I would like persons to actually take out their King James Version Bible. And let's turn to John, St. John chapter 17. So many would have, or should I say many of us would have read this scripture with not paying attention to its words. So today what I would like for us to do is just to pay a little more attention or pay a closer attention to the message in St. John chapter 17, right? So Please turn to that message because we are about to start. So in Jesus' high priestly prayer, recorded in St. John's Gospel, chapter 17, Jesus made several petitions to his Father on behalf of his church, his visible body, upon planet Earth. However, if one were ignorant of what Jesus actually prayed for, one would without a doubt conclude that all Jesus had in mind was an organic union of his body. And when I say body, I am referring to his church. So this view, more than anything else, seems to be the motivating factor that propels the forward movement towards a united world church. Now, what I would like to ask is this. Jesus' prayer recorded in St. John's Gospel, chapter 17. Is it a concentration on religious unity? Well, the answer to that question is no, not at all. You see, online listeners, this organic unity view is chiefly promulgated or communicated by those who, having recognized their spiritual deficiency, are bent on making up for their lack of that spiritual deficiency by increasing their numbers. So the unity movement is undoubtedly the brainchild of those who have religious access to grind. That's my assumption. Now, online listeners, the apparent blindness displayed by Israel with regard to the purpose of Jesus' first coming, seems to find a parallel in the biased perception or short-sightedness displayed by nominal Christendom when they read John chapter 17, since all that is spoken thereof is an organic union to all Christian religions. 
Then the question to ask is, how blind has nominal Christendom become? Online listeners, Jesus' high priestly prayer recorded in John chapter 17 was so wide-ranging that it covered such themes as eternal life. Now, let's read verses 2 to 3 as confirmation. So turn to St. John chapter 17 and we'll read verses 2 to 3. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Now, you see those verses clearly stated that eternal life consisted of knowing intimately the Father and the Son. Moreover, Jesus went on to state that it was as a result of his disciples having received his words and what he meant by words or his words he is referring to his teachings right so if you put in replace words with teachings you will understand so i will repeat it in that way for you Moreover, Jesus went on to state that it was as a result of his disciples having received his teachings. So with Jesus' teachings, the disciples became convinced that he came from the Father. Then Jesus declared that his prayer to the Father was not made on behalf of the entire world. Instead, he insisted that his prayer then was made solely for his disciples. So let's read in the same St. John chapter 17, verse 9 to 13. Now I pray for them. I pray not for the world but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine. And all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thy own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now come I to thee, and these things I spake in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Now having read those verses, let's look at how Jesus returned to an overlooked aspect of his prayer which is the paramount of his words on what he saw as greater importance is stated in verses 8 and 14. So let's read verses 8 and 14 in the same St. John chapter 17.
For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. I have given them thy word, and the world had hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Now, if you pay particular attention to the verses, you will also see that Jesus declared that the separating agent between his church and the world was his words. I repeat again, Jesus declared that the separating agent between his church and the world was his words. Moreover, he then petitioned his father to sanctify his body, the church, through his words, which is found in verses 17, 19, and 20. So let's read for confirmation. So verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Verse 19, and for their sakes I sanctify myself that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Verse 20, neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. So by now, one would have noticed that in verse 21, Jesus petitioned that his body be one is directly related to the fact that his body be united in belief of his word. So let's read verse 21 in St. John chapter 17. That they all may be one as though Father art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. So if you remember St. Paul, writing to the saints in Rome, and he demanded separation for doctrinal deviation from established apostolic doctrines. Now, let's read Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. So, online listeners, you see this Romans chapter 16 verse 17 directive? It must be understood that the unity that had as its foundation a common set of doctrines and practices, in order to accomplish this doctrinal harmony, Jesus gave gifts to men. The fact is clearly stated in St. Paul's epistles to the Ephesians. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, 11 to 13 as confirmation. Wherefore he said, when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, 
for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ. So this being the case, online listeners, we must conclude that the oneness that Jesus prayed for was not simply an organic one, which geographically re re relates would militate against rather what Jesus had in view was a unity that had as one of its three pillars a common set of doctrine. Now, this fact has some biblical support. So let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10 as confirmation, please. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Moreover, when the Apostle Paul wrote to the Church of Corinth concerning giving, he made it absolutely clear that his directive was not merely a local one, but rather one that was regional in scope, covering as it did the entire region of Galatia. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 1 to 2, but I want us to focus on verse 1. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we'll read verse 1 to 2, and then I want the focus to be on verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye, upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God had prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. So as I mentioned, the focus is on verse 1. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. So online listeners, there can be no doubt whatsoever that Jesus' prayer of John 17 was not a preoccupation with urging different denominations to close ranks, as it were, and unite under one head so as to convince the world that they are one. Rather, Jesus' prayer was an honest appeal to his body, the church, to unite around the fact that their teachings being similar, their behavioral patterns being a direct result of their adherence to a common set of teachings will undoubtedly reflect the oneness of his teachings. Online listeners, it is worth noting that it was this commonality in the behavioral pattern of the first century saints that earned them the nickname Christians. This is confirmed in Acts chapter 11 verse 26. So let's turn to Acts chapter 11 verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Anitok, and it came to pass 
that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first in Anitok. Yes, online listeners, the unity that Jesus prayed for was not a superficial one. Rather, he prayed then and still intercedes even now for his body to reflect the unity of the one spirit that indwells all believers by the manifestation of the fruit of the spirit demonstrated by manifested acts of loving kindness towards each other. The world will know that we are Christians indeed, said Jesus. Now, since it was as a direct result of his disciples adhering to his words that caused the world to hate them, then we must understand that adherence to his words must be an ingredient for any genuine Christian unity. Let me repeat that statement again. Now, since it was as a direct result of his disciples adhering to his words that caused the world to hate them, then we must understand that, ed that adherence to his words must be an ingredient for any genuine Christian unity. This conclusion finds biblical support in Ephesians chapter 4, from verse 11 to 14, which states that Jesus gave ministerial gifts to his church for the express purpose of ensuring that we all come in the unity of the faith rather than being tossed to and fro, being carried about by every wind of doctrine of crafty men whose goal is deception. So let's read that scripture for confirmation. So turn to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to 14. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So online listeners, let's all be ardent advocates of Christian unity, but that unity must have a sure foundation. So it must be a unity based upon the fact that every true child of God is indwelt by the same Holy Spirit as Romans 8 verse 9 states. So let's read Romans 8 verse 9.
So Romans 8 verse 9 states, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of, a, none of his. So let's, so you see, the proof that we are indwelt by the same Holy Spirit should be manifested by our fulfilling the law of Christ, which is the bearing of each other's burdens, as Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 states. And lastly, it must be a unity based upon the truth of the Spirit, as Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 states. As I close online listeners, Christian unity must be predicated upon a sure foundation, even upon the word of God, not upon the fears of man, for that is but a sham. What Jesus prayed for in John 17 would be achieved by the tabernacling of the Holy Spirit, by the fruit of the Spirit, and by the truth of the Spirit. So this is the end of my segment today, and I will be live next week, Wednesday at 11.30 a.m. I am asking persons to share today's segment as the topic is vital for those who are believers. Once again, I am saying thanks to my followers and for everyone who took the time out of their busy schedule to listen. So have a safe and productive week, everyone. I am signing off.